All right, guys, welcome in today's episode of Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, several SEC basketball-related news items, plus ESPN doing a greatest college basketball player tournament uh, with a lot of very talented SEC players among the group. But before we get to that, uh, several things uh, in terms of SEC basketball stories to get to and we start with uh, former Ole Miss head coach Andy Kennedy uh, he has another job and no it's not uh, signing another contract with the SEC network because uh, his work as an analyst was terrific unfortunately um, despite me uh, recommending it on Twitter that he add a clause in his contract to be able to still call games uh, next season I doubt that's going to be the case because he is set to be the next head coach at UAB. Uh, Not a surprising uh, situation there because uh, that had been uh, the rumor for a bit in terms of uh, him wanting to get back to UAB. He played there um, and no surprise I think for him to be the guy that they hired here. It just makes too much sense uh, for the Blazers in terms of bringing back a, a very you know, successful head coach. Uh, that's the one thing we always talked about with, with Andy Kennedy after they made the move there um, and ultimately hired Kermit Davis was that Andy Kennedy, what he did for that Ole Miss program, I just don't think he got enough credit in terms of where that program was at when he took over uh, to where it was at whenever he left there. And I think, you know, for UAB, it's a, it's a great hire. And, and, and again, to go back to, you know, we knew that he was going to be the favorite to get that job uh, just because of the connections he had there. Um, he's the second all-time leading scorer in the program's history. Uh, he was there as an assistant coach. There, there are so many uh, different aspects that just, you know, it just made sense for him. And uh, I know a lot of people understood that he wanted to get back into coaching, uh, but uh, people like myself, I also wanted him to continue to, to be an analyst uh, in SEC games because uh, he was so good at it and uh, his personality was just awesome. Um, in terms of of him calling a game and uh, you got that insight too you know from a coach's standpoint and and that's always valuable I think uh, when you're listening to it to a basketball game um, to get that that coach's insight because um, they're thinking about things you aren't necessarily thinking about as a viewer sometimes uh, watching these games but uh, great hire for UAB and uh, I know Andy Kennedy had been wanting to to get back into the coaching ranks and uh, he wasn't just going to to take any job and I think this is the one uh, certainly that that was high on his list uh, if not at the very top uh, and now uh, he will take over there in Birmingham. Uh, Another item uh, on the list, uh, an interview, uh, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic and Locked On Kentucky. Uh, He did a great uh, Q&A with uh, Kentucky Athletic Director Mitch Barnhart. And no, this isn't just a Kentucky-related story. As we know, uh, Mitch Barnhart on the the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee as the vice chair uh, of the group. He's going to be the chair of the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee next season. Um, and and Kyle did an interview with him that, that I thought was very, very fascinating in terms of looking at the insight uh, of what the committee was, was doing as all of this was happening um, and how they were, were working on their bracket, um, the different plans that were discussed. I know one of the reports out there was that there was a possibility 
of doing a 16-team tournament. Um, and, you know, I know there were different reactions to that. Um, but uh, he asked, Cal asked uh, him about that in terms of, you know, was there any validity to that? Uh, was that going to be something that they considered? Um, and, you know, just releasing the bracket itself, that is a move that, that I know a lot of people were pushing for uh, to have the NCAA tournament committee, you know, or the NCAA uh, just release the bracket and, and allow, you know, there to be some type of knowing, you know, I think a lot of people would have had fun with that because then we'd have all these bracket simulations and all that for an actual tournament bracket uh, that would have been used for this year's NCAA tournament. And so he was asked about that and kind of his response, um, you know, to whether he thought that could have been the right move. Um, And uh, also, you know, looking at, at the two things we discussed um, in Greg Sankey's teleconference on Thursday's episode of the podcast uh, about that extra year of eligibility for winter sport athletes and uh, the spring football impact of it all uh, in terms of, of both of those things. Uh, everyone's going to, to have a different opinion on this, and I thought that you know Mitch Barnhart's answer in terms of looking at both of those, um, looking ahead to, to how this is going to impact the, the football season, we know that it's already impacted spring football, um, plus, you know, is that extra year of eligibility going to be something that, um, you know, lots of people are going to support, even though we know uh, that spring sport athletes are going to to get that, that possibility most likely. Um, you know, what, what is it going to be like for the winter sport athletes? Is it going to be something as simple as saying, you know what, we can't do that. Um, it's going to, to present some logistical issues that the NCAA just cannot find a way to work through. Um, so really great interview. And I always say that you guys have heard me, you know, on some of the, the episodes we've done with, with items like this uh, in the news. Um, you know, it, it's just the athletic does great work. You know, I've, I've talked about Kyle who, who does great work, not just for the athletic, but, but on the, the Locked On Kentucky podcast, um, I know Kentucky fans that are listening to this are already uh, subscribed to that podcast, but um, really great interview. And if you want just some, some insight into someone who was literally in the room uh, with the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee and all the different things that were discussed um, you know, as possibilities uh, before the NCAA Tournament was canceled and after the NCAA Tournament was canceled, just that entire process Highly recommend uh, giving this a read, and I will include it as the sh- in the show notes, uh, as always. And uh, transfers uh, has been uh, another thing that's been talked about a lot uh, when it comes to the NCAA transfer portal. Um, there continue to be more and more players in there uh, as we go along. And as we said, it's sort of a unique situation because, um, you know, coaches aren't meeting with their players right now. Um, they're not having that, that face-to-face contact every single day. Um, and so is that going to turn into more players transferring? Well, there's one player transferring that we know of, and he's getting um, SEC interest uh, from several different teams, and that is uh, pit guard uh, Trey McCowans. And John Rothstein uh, put out the tweet uh, with a, a list of teams, um, according to, to McGowan's father, that were already interested and four of those uh, were from the SEC, uh, Arkansas, Georgia, Ole Miss, and South Carolina. Uh, it is worth noting that, that McGowan's is an underclassman, so we don't know exactly, you know, with the new transfer rules, potentially what that could look like. You know, would he be eligible right away? He's a former top 100 recruit, averaged 11.5 points and 3.6 assists per game last season. 
Um, and when you just look at the four teams in the SEC specifically, Arkansas getting involved in the transfer portal, that is going to be the new norm, as we know, because Eric Musselman has had so so much success there. And uh, again, not knowing exactly what the Razorbacks roster is going to look like next season, we know uh, there's a potential for them to bring back a lot of key players and add uh, a potential top 10 recruiting class to the mix. Um, you add someone like McGowans, who again is a former top 100 recruit, um, did average you know double figures uh, at Pitt last season. Um, that would be a nice land if he were to be able to play right away. Uh, then for Georgia, we know they're losing some guards, Anthony Edwards to the NBA draft, uh, also Tyree Crump and Jordan Harris. Um, so probably you know restocking for the future in terms of, of guard play for Georgia, not a bad idea. Ole Miss uh, losing Bree and Tyree. They are going to add uh, Jarkel Joyner to the mix, to, who sat out last season um, after transferring in from Cal State Bakersfield. He averaged 15.6 points per game uh, in the 2018-19 season there. So he should be able to help right away, uh, even if you know if they were to land McGowan's and and he had to sit out. Um, and then for South Carolina, you know we we talked about South Carolina in the the senior uh, episode of the podcast we did earlier in the week. Um, you know the Gamecocks were were a young team this year. They're going to bring back the majority of their roster uh, unless anyone transfers. And so uh, Frank Martin uh, going to have a nice nucleus to work with, and, and adding someone like this, a former top 100 recruit uh, that you know can can give you uh, you know quite a punch in the backcourt. Uh, that would be a nice add uh, for the Gamecocks for the future as well. But we'll see how it plays out. We know how these things are when it comes to uh, to transfers, and um, you know there could be a lot of teams in the mix right now and there could be even more uh that that are likely going to to get into the mix um so uh it'll be interesting to see if any of these four teams uh from the sec are able to land him uh as a transfer but coming up uh, we will look at espn's greatest college basketball player tournament uh everyone's doing these brackets as we said some of them are very fun to look at and this is one of those um the college basketball the greatest of all time bracket uh when it comes to players and uh there are lots of sec players uh, in the mix, both on the men's and women's side. And we'll get into that coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And we jump into uh, ESPN's uh, college basketball greatest of all time bracket uh, as uh, this is a fun one because uh, basically they're trying to to, sort, to answer the question, who's the greatest player in college basketball history? And it is another one where fans can vote uh, on their, their player of choice in each of these matchups. It's your typical tournament bracket, four regions, one through 16 seeds in each of them. Uh, and uh, there are several SEC players uh, among the mix that could have a chance uh, to make a run. And I'll include the bracket uh, in the show notes so you can check it out. Uh, and we start with the West region. And uh, the first SEC player unfortunately, uh, is one that is matched up with a number one seed, which is Lou Alcindor uh, from UCLA, as we know, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, the number 16 seed is uh, Simone Augustus, uh, who played at LSU. Uh, she uh, led uh, the Tigers to three straight Final Fours. Just uh, an awesome player she was for the Tigers. I mean, you can remember those those really good LSU teams uh, that did go to three straight Final Fours um, when she played there which was uh, from 2002 to 2006. Um, and, uh, I mean, she, she she's one of the best, you know, women's players 
Um, definitely, when you look at uh, the past 20 years or so uh, in SEC basketball, probably among the best period, uh, but she made a huge impact for that team. So, uh, unfortunately, as we said, she's got a tough draw uh, trying to take down uh, the one and only uh, Lou Alcindor, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, there is the number one seed in the West. Uh, then uh, there's another LSU player that's also on the, the next seed line uh, as uh, it's going to be number two, Diana Taurasi, of course, the UConn uh, great there. Uh, she's going to be taking on the number 15 seed, Chris Jackson from LSU. Um, you want to talk about the stories of Chris Jackson. Um, you you ask anyone probably who watched Chris Jackson play or anyone that's gone back uh, and watched him, um, they will tell you that, that he's one of the best they've ever seen uh, in terms of, of college basketball players. And I think, you know, for anyone that wants to, to debate the seeding here, Chris Jackson is a 15 seed. Uh, not exactly sure about that one because uh, he, if you just go back and find any of the games and, you know, he played uh, what would have been in the late 80s, early 90s, um, he was just something. And you watch it, which, of course, uh, he went on to play in the NBA. Uh, of course, also known uh, as Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Uh, he has played in the Big Three uh, here recently. So you're still seeing him uh, play all over the place and see his you know, his skills even now. Um, he was. You, you want to talk about a skill set. And, again, ask anyone um, who watched uh, him play in college at LSU. My goodness, just um, unbelievable. Um, he set a, a Division One record, uh, averaging 30 points per game uh, as a freshman. And uh, just, you know, hey, as a number 15 seed, I think he's got a chance uh, to maybe pull some upsets here uh, with enough votes. Also in the West, uh, the number four seed is Anthony Davis from Kentucky. He's got a tough matchup too, though, which I guess all of these are tough matchups when you think about it um, as a, a greatest college basketball player tournament with, with only 64 in there. Uh, he's got number 13, Jerry West. So uh, as we know, uh, the logo, uh, someone that uh, had a very successful uh, college career at West Virginia. But as for Anthony Davis, I mean, he is, you know, he's one of the greats in college basketball and there's no doubt, you know, if you ask Kentucky fans, um, you know, who, who are the greatest Kentucky players of all time? I think you, you find it uh, hard-pressed to, to keep Anthony Davis probably outside of your top five uh, just based on what he did as a, as a college player, knowing just the, the pure talent uh, of a player like that and, uh, you know, what he was able to do uh, in leading Kentucky, you know, to a title. And, and again, this is one of those two where, you know, you only have these guys in college for a year or two with some of these Kentucky players, but the impact they make uh, just knowing – uh, how good they are, um, it's easy to still include them in this because uh, Anthony Davis, such a unique player, uh, and we've seen that in the NBA too. And then uh, another uh, LSU player in the group here in the West region, a very stacked uh, SEC, number eight seed is Sue Bird uh, from UConn. She is taking on the number nine seed, Shaquille O'Neal, and that's another one uh, where uh, here's another LSU player that uh, we know what, what Shaq was able to accomplish, uh, just like, you know, with Chris Jackson, just the, the unbelievable, uh, you know, accomplishments that he had there. And then for Shaq, um, someone that, uh, you know, a, a two-time first-team All-American. Uh, and then as ESPN notes here, um, they have some, some really good stats on these players too. That's why I would highly recommend check out the article. Um, you know, he's still, Shaq is one of only six players 
in Division One history to record uh, triple doubles in consecutive games. Um, so uh, we we know. I mean, he's another one. Go back, uh, look at the the tape on Shaq, and uh, pretty clear that that he was one of the most unique athletes uh, probably ever in college basketball. And we saw what he was able to do in the NBA. Uh, but uh, there you go, Shaq with a chance uh, to maybe advance to to possibly in the second round. Uh, play uh, Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, that would be a fun uh, second-round matchup here in the uh, greatest college basketball player tournament. And then in the East, uh, the number four seed is Ralph Sampson, um, as we know from Virginia, um, who uh, had a great career there. He will be taking on uh, the number 13 seed, and once again, LSU representing here. Um, the number 13 seed is Pete Maravich. Um, there's another one where if Pete Maravich is a 13 seed, um, that is uh, one you're going to look at. And I think we always say at that 5-12-4-13 matchups in the NCAA tournament, this could be one of those uh, that could have a chance, although Ralph Sampson was just terrific as a college player. Um, there could be a lot of people, you know, voting for, for Pete Maravich here. Um, as you, you're looking at, you know, you're talking about the, the best scorer in the history of college basketball uh, and didn't even play with a three-point line. So that makes it even more impressive. Um, and, and he's someone else, you know, just sort of a, a wizard, I think, with a basketball. And, uh, you know, we can say the same thing about a lot of guys, but I don't know that there's ever been anyone in terms of, um, you know, what they could do with the basketball. Uh, anyone like Pete Maravich and uh, Pistol Pete uh, as the number 13 seed he could have a chance uh, to make a Cinderella run in this tournament uh, based on what he accomplished there but coming up uh, we will look at uh, the South and the Midwest uh, in the ESPN's uh, greatest college basketball player tournament uh, with one region in particular uh, loaded with uh, some very accomplished SEC players at one particular school and uh, we'll get into those coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast part of Locked On Podcast Network and then in the South, uh, the South is represented uh, by several Tennessee players, uh, specifically several Tennessee Lady Vols. And uh, the number four seed in the, in the South is Shamika Holtzclaw taking on the number 13 seed, Trey Young. Um, now, Shamika Holtzclaw, there's someone, you know, we, we know that the dynasty that, that the late Pat Summit built with Tennessee, um, Shamika Holtzclaw was probably the player that, that most people will point you to uh, to say that was the player maybe that, that defined, um, you know, the, the legacy of the Lady Vols in terms of just that era. Um, you know, she, she won three, you know, national championships. She was part of the three-peat there uh, for Tennessee during her career. She's still the leading scorer in SEC history. Uh, so without a doubt, you know, one of the best players, not just um, in the history of the SEC, but in women's college basketball. Uh, so uh, understandably why she's a top four seed, uh, because she was, uh, she was, she was one of a kind. All the success she had there and able to to lead Tennessee, you know, to, to the three-peat, just uh, very, very, very impressive. Um, even though, you know, some of the, the recency bias, you may have people voting for Trey Young, but uh, I think Shamika Oldsclaw is, um, you know, the one that should advance in that matchup based on uh, what she accomplished. Uh, and then, um, and the number six seed is Chris Mullen taking on the number 11 seed, Tamika Catching. So another Lady Vol um, who also, you know, won a national title uh, there with, with the Lady Vols and uh, someone uh, that, uh, you know, she she was another one that, that just had a really good career playing for Pat Summit. And, um, she, you know, she's she's on that long list of players that, that we saw that just became 
Um, you know, when you, if you watched women's college basketball, they just became household names because uh, they were the ones playing on the Tennessee teams that were among the best in the country every single year. Um, and uh, ASPN notes in here another great stat. Um, you know, she's one of only two Lady Vols players, along with Holtzclaw, uh, to to finish with at least 2,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. So, um, you know, it's just, I mean, there's another one there. <laughs> Again, you just... You look at what Pat Summit was able to accomplish and uh, Tamika Catchings, uh, another player that was a part uh, of a very important era for Tennessee uh, Lady Vols basketball. And then uh, the number seven seed is Candace Parker. So uh, the three-peat for the Lady Vols here in the South region, uh, she is taking on the number 10 seed, Kevin Durant. Uh, that's another one that could uh, be a closer matchup than expected uh, because Candace Parker, you know, more national championships for Tennessee, uh, won back-to-back titles. Uh, there with the Lady Vols, uh, she was the first woman, as ESPN notes, uh, to dunk in a in an NCAA tournament game, um, which became something that uh, you know just seeing Candace Parker dunk, it was just another thing. But at the time, um, it was something that it just wowed a lot of people at first. But then we just got so used to it because she was dunking all the time uh, that uh, maybe it just became one of those things that we came to expect, uh, which shows you the impact she had uh, not only just on Tennessee but on women's basketball. Period. Uh, she does have a tough matchup there you know, with Kevin Durant in the first round, but uh, Candace Parker very accomplished. Uh, lots of honors and to win the, the back-to-back titles, um, something that, you know, a lot of players can't say they were able to accomplish uh, in college. So Candace Parker, the number seven seed there in the South. And then in the Midwest, there are no SEC players. So the ones we've discussed, that rounded out the group uh, that is in the mix there in the uh, the greatest college basketball players of all time, at least in this bracket. Uh, but in the Midwest, uh, while there are no SEC players, um, it could be, you know, the most exciting part of the bracket as the top two seeds are Bill Walton, who uh, experienced um, just uh, unprecedented success at UCLA, and the number two seed is Michael Jordan. So um, who's going to come out of that that Midwest region? Uh, that should be a lot of fun, uh, especially when those two are the top two seeds. But uh, again, I'll, I'll put the bracket in the show notes. Go check it out. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at the Blake Level. Let me know what you think about some of these matchups, uh, specifically with these SEC players. And be sure to vote. You know, ESPN is doing a voting. I think right now they're just doing the West. This is going to be a two-week thing where they do the voting for a couple weeks. Uh, I think that's how they're going to do it. So uh, be sure to vote. And uh, hey, if you think these SEC basketball players deserve it, uh, be sure to vote for some of them because I, I think again the, the recency part. Part of this, uh, maybe with, with someone like, as we said, Shamika Holtzclaw going up against Trey Young. You could have a lot of people voting Trey Young, but uh, if you just look at the accomplishments, um, you know, Shamika Holtzclaw could be uh, the pick there. So be sure to vote uh, for some of these SEC players. Uh, should be fun uh, to see how this uh, bracket unfolds here. That'll wrap up this episode of Locked on SEC Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Head over any podcast app you use. Just search for Locked on SEC. And again, if you enjoyed the show, take a few seconds, leave a nice five-star rating and review. That just helps the show reach more people. For everything else, you can follow me on Twitter at Level. And uh, as we continue to say, if you're excited for the upcoming NFL draft and want some great coverage of it, uh, just tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NFL Draft for great NFL draft coverage. But thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked on SEC Podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.